and thank you so much for joining us once again. It's a live show. I don't ever know how to introduce one of these. I just know that um, I hand it over to Allie, and uh, she works her magic. Thank you all so much uh, for coming on out here tonight, and thank you so much if you're listening uh, after the fact. I'm going to be doing these every Friday night, 10 Eastern. Going to be getting the Jubilee on a rollin' again. Uh, I I feel a lot better. I feel a lot stronger. Uh, I do have to do a super quick recap, which even for me, we both know, we all know, that's kind of dangerous territory being up on the on the high wire of just letting me talk. But let's let's see what happens. I have to do a super quick recap just for everybody who listens to the live stuff and doesn't want to listen to too much of the updates. Uh, basically, in the in the most strict sense. I had a depressive episode last year, and uh, I'm feeling much, much, much better now. Uh, That's the long and short of it. Uh, It feels like a really great time to be coming back, because all of the reasons for the depressive episode still exist. Every, every part of it is still going on, Uh, but I feel a lot better, and I feel a lot stronger, Um, and uh, I, I feel like I've squared my circle in such a way that the things that are sometimes bubbling up inside me that just feel, you know, hopeless, enraging. I don't need to tell you what depression feels like these days. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, so far so good because on those fronts, the news keeps coming in, the hits keep coming, and... I keep being able to turn it off and focus on things. I've literally never been better with stuff like client dates or getting stuff uh, back to clients in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, I I think I've had something like a 100% fulfillment and satisfaction rate for a couple of months now. Uh, very happy about that because, you know, I it's not that I couldn't hit those stats, it's that I couldn't maintain them. So it's... It's uh, it's it's been nice and it's been rewarding. It feels weird talking about that, but everyone's just got to brag about themselves. And whenever I take some time away, uh, I always seem to come back caring just a little bit fucking less what people think of me. You know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've noticed. It's been pointed out to me a few times in anons and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll get sick or whatever. You'll take some time and you'll come back. You'll be like, you know what? I I just realized I was fucking great uh, the whole time through. Uh, you just care a little bit less. Well, this time is not true, because this time I care way fucking less. Oh, my God. I just... if if Just looking around at the state of the world right now, it's just like, well, nobody gives a shit about anything, because even if somebody hated me, like, even if I really am someone's number... I'm someone's Dick Cheney, which is kind of hard for me to imagine. I've heard people before have been bad... But, like, what if I'm really, like, the one person where, like, if you found an evil genie, he's all like, I only make wishes that hurt people. I'm like, ooh, I know exactly who I'm going to get. Even then, it's like, well, just give them give three minutes in front of CNN, and they will have to find somebody else. There's no way I'm going to maintain the top spot. <laughs> even, like, even if they told everybody in the world uh, everything, everything, in the most horrible way, just let it all out there. No one's going to hear it and do anything to go, wow, that's crazy, and then scroll to the next thing on fucking fire. I know, because everyone's doing it. Everyone I love, everyone I hate. 
I just read an op-ed by David Brooks. And if you don't know that name, blessed be thee. He's a conservative asshole, and I totally have written him off all my own life. But a couple of years back, he wrote an op-ed that got pretty famous with the youth, with the kids, called The Gravy Train Is Over, wherein he, uh, a near 60 man who <laughs> got, like, every fucking advantage in life from birth and then society on up was saying, you kids are gonna have to, you know, tie your bootstraps, the gravy train's over. Didn't go over well, as you can imagine. I just read an op-ed from him called America is Falling Apart at the Seams, like you couldn't believe a conservative guy could possibly say under a Democratic president. I know, I know. But I did have to read it because I'm like, well, I don't disagree with the premise. <laughs> Broken clock twice a day, ETC. And so I pull, that, uh, I pull that bad boy open and I read it. And it's got to be one of the funniest, fu uh, inadvertently, because he's not a funny man. One of the funniest op-eds I've ever read. And I want you to think about that statement, because, like, I'm a loser, baby. <laughs> the idea that I read at least two a day over the course of a year, that, that, that's like a small number. I'm a loser. I'm a nerd, baby. I've read a lot of op-eds. I really wish I hadn't at this point in time. I've, I've largely switched off that diet. But he's just talking about things that I've, like, been screaming about on this podcast for a couple years. He's like, did you guys know? Did you guys know that, like, there are firefighter EMTs? And, like, the fire department doesn't have enough money unless they try and take EMT-like calls, but then the EMTs try and beat them? Did you guys know that, like, everybody's overdosing now? It's not just white people anymore. I mean, black people are still dying of all the same shit that they were always dying of. Now they're dying of drugs, too. Like, it was all this shit, and he just goes on and on and on. I'm like, okay, so where's the turn? I was just reading, like, just, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. All of this is true. All of this is bad, and all of this is getting worse. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Record homicides? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've been talking about all this shit. Uh, and then I get to the very fucking end of it, and he's like, I don't have any answers. I don't even know what's going on. What the fuck, man? And, like, <laughs> for one, getting paid for that. Amazing. Amazing! Can you imagine if your rambling post is just all like, America sucks, here's all the reasons why. I don't know, though. And you got paid for that? Oh. Oh, but the other thing is it's just so conservative. Like, you found out new information. It scared and intimidated you. You learned nothing. Even though the new information came in because you were scared and intimidated by it, you solicited no help from anybody else. You said that there's no answer for you right now in the immediate future, and therefore you're assuming there's no answer or policy at all, and also all of this information is as new and enraging and, uh, and terrifying to everybody else. Could could that be, like, I just, like, I don't, if, if stuff like this keeps going on, I'm not ever going to miss Thanksgiving again because that's as close to a crazy old fucking uncle that you're not allowed to throttle as it gets. <laughs> but it is interesting seeing like, okay, so everybody's seeing this? Okay, all right, everybody's seeing this. Interesting, even people like Gravy Train over here are seeing this. So the world is kind of screwy. Uh, things are going <laughs> in the wrong direction. Just about everyone seems to agree, even if they don't agree what or why or how or what to do to fix it. And, you know, you put all that together, it's like, well, fuck it, you know? 
Suddenly, the fact that I'm walking around saying, you know, actually pineapple on top of pizza isn't so bad. And, uh, you know, like, actually Margaritaville is one of the better songs of that era. It's a wonderful lament. It's a dirge for... Suddenly that kind of stuff only... Like, whereas before I would get hate mails like, you pretentious asshole, how do you not go deaf with your head all the way up your own ass? Nowadays, nobody has the energy for that. Even if you hate these opinions, even if you, like, you just, like, uh, there's no... I, people don't got time for that. You're too busy trying to stop shaking, crying in the goddamn corner like you're a Blair Witch reenactor. I understand now. Nobody ever really gave a fuck, but now no one can even pretend to give a fuck, and if they do, it's like, just look around. Hey, 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 you think I'm the problem? Fine, maybe I am, but also look around. It's, it's the fair after dark. I am going to act like a rat in an orgy of a buffet. You hear me? At the smorgasbord, when the carnival goes down, down, down. That's what I'm going to do. What do you want me to do? I can't change this system. I screamed about it my whole life. Ah, I just want to eat the popcorn now. Sing a little song about it. Get a big rat tum-tum. If you don't understand these references right now, I understand how confusing that must be. That's okay. I'm kind of doing it on purpose at this point. And what are you going to do about it if you're irritated? Huh? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right, so that's uh, that's talking about all the horrible stuff as lightly as I can do it. <laughs> as vaguely as I can gesture around the dumpster fire. Uh, okay, up next. Uh, it's really good to be back. It is stressful coming back. It is, uh, it is, not not this in particular. It's stressful coming back. One of my favorite ongoing tweets in American discourse since 2008 uh, is, is it just keeps recurring, is like, man, vacations are such a great way for you to realize you really do fucking hate your day-to-day life. <laughs> like, however somebody phrases that in their own way, it's always a funny joke to me, and it's, you know, sometimes they have their own observations and things, so it's, it's, a, it's a fun little runner, because <laughs> God, is it fucking true? Um... And I'm saying that because it's absolutely not true for me. I don't have a day-to-day life in the same sense. When I when I I'm feeling good and I'm feeling strong enough to come out and and perform and and, and do things like this these days, it's because I really really want to. But my good golly goodness, uh, do I understand it? Do I understand that it's so hard getting back into that routine? It really is. And this is not that big of a deal. And it's not like I haven't been doing work or writing or anything else. It's just like, oh, my God. You think I'm a procrastinator when I'm on the weekly transit ride to destiny, to productivity town. Woo! Getting back on it for the first time in months. Oh, baby, I don't know. That was, that was, that was like a, ooh, I had to, like, really ramp myself up for it. I've done I've done more sweeping in the last couple of weeks than I've done in my entire fucking life just because it's like, well, I mean, I I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure I should sweep sweep that hall again. I'm pretty sure I should do that some more. Just any procrast You know what? You know what? I think I'm gonna look up that uh I think I'm gonna look up that Ramkin recipe after all. You know? Just anything I can do to not get back to it. But then as soon as I started getting back to it, it felt so good and it felt so natural. Um, and uh, pretty encouraged to come on back. It's been lovely to uh, to be so. 
So this is me where a lot of people at at the beginning, at the very top, say thank you. Fuck that shit. That, why should everybody get a thank you? No, the people who like me should get more of a thank you than everybody. Because people skip and they jump to their favorite parts and what have you. So if you endured all of that rambling and not, this is now in the notes where I start putting that delicate feeling in. And I say that I couldn't have come back without you. Because wanting to come back is one thing. But being able to do so, you have to reach somebody else. And all of the encouragement and all of the nice things that you guys have truly sent me in times that I was down, in times that I was just drunk and miserable, all of it, it, it really means a lot. It, it, it's the only reason that I could come back. So I guess it means everything. And thank you all for it. Everybody who sent in a nice word on Anon, everybody who sent a nice DM, especially if you were real understanding about the fact that I might not respond for a while, and then you were nice about the fact that once I finally did, you know, it wasn't about you at all. Everybody who took those behaviors with me, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because, like I said, it's hard coming back. We've all experienced it with something or other. <laughs> it's like riding a bike doesn't always apply. Sometimes it feels real good to jump right on. Sometimes it doesn't. Okay, so this is a strange one because I didn't expect it. Uh, this next little note here. I continue to heal up, and the only way that I noticed it this time is because I was forced to rest. It, uh, I hurt my leg last year, and I had to stop going to the gym. Uh, I had to. And I was going to the gym, and I was feeling very good. I was, you know, uh, eating virtually no sugar, virtually no salt, no processed food. Um, I I spent 2021 uh, drinking my oatmeal and chia seeds and my fruit and my veggies uh, every single every single first meal, uh, just about. A couple off for, like, holidays and, like, trips and what have you. But that's about it. And just really, really enjoying it. So I would have kept on with it 100%. But then I hurt myself to the, to the, uh, to the point where I was like, well, there's just no way. I have to, I have to let it heal up. Uh, and as I was doing that, um, and as I allowed myself to eat cheese nips and what have you, uh, I gotta say, like something like really clicked in here. It's like about how much I've been healing. And how good it felt to just be sitting there miserable alone. Like, wow, this feels really, really good. That probably means something. Like, this is some of the best sleep I've had in a while. And it's not like that hasn't been going good for a bit. Like, this is, huh. Like, you know, I'm I'm really enjoying things right now. And I think you can hear it. You know, I think you can just hear the, the reverberation in my voice now, especially if I go like to a deeper register or something like that. Uh, you think you can hear it in the breath control. You're going to hear a lot less chair movement. Um, it's, I just, the healing continues, continues, continues. Uh, it's it's strange it, it to have this connection with your body because, of course, I'm aging. And I keep fucking feeling better. Uh, I just got out of the bath right before now, just to get all spritzed up for you guys and uh, to get my my giant tauntaun robe. 
so I can turn off the the heat and everything. Um, and even just walking back uh, from the bathroom into this room and 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 getting everything prepped, putting the cat away, what have you, uh, I um, you know, I felt my hips swaying a little bit, and it felt so good, and it felt so natural, and it felt so nice. And they're swaying in a way that they literally never could before uh, by force. Now they're doing it naturally. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful natural feeling. Um, You know, isolation, uh, sitting on your duff, uh, everything that's going on in the world right now. You wouldn't expect that to lead to someone feeling at least some way more in tune with themselves and more healed up and in better shape. But that's exactly where I'm at. And if that's not something to be extremely self-grateful for, I don't know what is. Because nobody was on me. Nobody said, drink your oatmeal every day. I didn't do it for anybody else. I did it just for me. I didn't do it for sex or vanity. I did it to change my relationship with food. And uh, it's just been absolutely... just. It's just been the best choice. Just the best choice. Everyone who has in any way supported uh, me cooking and my terrible, awful, no good pictures, uh, just just know you really have helped me make just the best choice, uh, at least in the last couple of years. Okay, and speaking of eating, because uh, I'm just about able to slowly but surely eat uh, anything, at least in some quantities, that's technically true of even very toxic things. That's a joke about killing yourself. Don't do it. I I put that in parentheses and then I read it too quick, but that was almost funnier because I did it that way. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, the eating is... The eating is going really well. And the funny thing is, is because of food prices and uh, supply chain issues, quote-unquote... Uh, quick little rant about that in a second. Because of uh, supply chain issues and, and inflation in food prices, uh, this has just been a great time to learn how to cook, but it's also been a terrible time. And it's nice because I don't know what the fuck's going to show up at my front door anymore. Because <laughs> I'll put in all kinds of lists for substitutes and shit. And then, like, whatever comes, it comes. But just for this weekend alone, to to show you what that looks like, uh, the main protein that I ordered, I ordered a pound of protein that did not show up, and I was going to use that over four different meals, so it was pretty essential protein. It didn't show up, and so uh, what I've got uh, prepping right now in my fridge is I made the best uh, homemade spaghetti sauce, red sauce that I could. Uh, after I get done with this, I'm going to have some spaghetti with noodles and some uh, some mozzarella cheesy bread instead of garlic bread, because I'm just trying to up my game little bit by little bit. And uh, after I get done with that, I'm going to just put together uh, a baked spaghetti casserole um, with these really great noodles that I found. Uh, Everything else is homemade and and done. And like, you know, just like I was doing the fancy mac and cheese, I'm going to brown the flour so there's a breadcrumb effect, and got the ricotta and the mozzarella, ah, 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 stir it together with eggs and, uh, you know, get everything going that way. I, uh, it's a, it's, it's a very basic, basic, basic dish. And in fact, 
the way that I was first introduced to baked spaghetti, because I didn't grow up eating it, is somebody said like, oh, the poor man's lasagna. <laughs> and so because that's the first time someone, you know, introduced it to me, that's that's what I think of. So I do think of it as peasant food. And I'm making it as good as I can, almost like it's a holiday, but just for me. And I, I feel so domesticated. And I feel so lovely towards myself and loving towards myself and just a little bit proud that I've reached a, a level of understanding and organization that I'm like, ooh, I know exactly what to do. I'll just have dinner uh, tonight and then use the same ingredients to make the casserole, put that in the fridge, and then I'll pop it in the oven tomorrow. I'll just have it. Blah, blah, blah. All you have to really do is plant around the aluminum foil and then it'll be good away and then it'll freeze. Blah, 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 blah. This is only after like 14 months of cooking. So just imagine how up my own ass I'm going to be by the end of this. Uh, so that's dinner tonight and tomorrow uh, that I'm very much looking for. And then, of course, a lot of it in the future uh, once I unfreeze it because uh, I don't want to eat it too many days in a row. Two days in a row? Absolutely. Three days in a row? Sure. Four days in a row? I will rather die. I'd rather die! Um, I didn't quite get my, my Thanksgiving duck ready to go uh, just because of dethawing. There's always got to be something going on with a holiday meal, as far as I can tell. There's always got to be at least one fly that somehow makes it into the ointment. So I didn't quite get to do my plan. And so for, for dinner Sunday, uh, I've um, instead got what I was going to do with that duck uh, for Thanksgiving. I just got a, a un... I unthought a cheap little Cornish game hen that I bought when they were on sale because they freeze and unfreeze so goddamn well. Uh, and it's been dry brining uh, at this point for uh, around 30 hours. Uh, it's in a plastic bag with salt and lemon rind, a little bit of pepper. Uh, and then you wrap it around in plastic so that it doesn't uh, dehydrate uh, and, uh, of course, stays a little bit safer. A little bit less uh, exposure in your fridge. Uh, and I'm just going to eat that motherfucker like it's, you know, like it's a holiday by myself. So that's me talking about food um, because you guys are always so super curious about it. I promise not, just because I'm not showing pictures doesn't mean that I am not cooking all the time, that I'm not enjoying it, that I'm not proud. What it means is, I suck at taking pictures. I've really tried to get better. I don't know if that's just ever going to be in my skill set, and I'm just tired of you all complaining. <laughs> uh, that's all that is. So I'll show pictures when I fucking want of the food, but just know that I am uh, really, really furthering this. I, it's, it's a fun one. It's a hobby that I can do with five bucks or any goddamn amount of money that should ever come in. So... Uh, and, and of course, you know, like how, how it connects to the health and everything else. It feels wonderful. Uh, lastly, and this is not dark, but I do want a little trigger warning this one, uh, just because a lot of people are in bad places right now. And this is a Frank uh, talking about that because I know that I'm helped when people give very frank and simple accounts of, of what is or isn't working for them with depression, with PTSD. Uh, if somebody gives a personal account what is or isn't, and it, it, it doesn't resonate with me, I just move on. I don't care because it's a personal account. Thank you for giving it. Um, 
doesn't connect with me or my experience. Have a nice day. Right? That's the end of that. Um, and this is this is very much what I this is very much what I want you to feel if this isn't working for you. But I came across a concept last year, wasn't looking for it, that I had never heard of before. And with the framework of this concept, I have to say it made coming out of depression this episode easier. The name of the term, it's a medical term, is A-N-H-E-D-O-N-I-A. And I believe, because I haven't heard this word out loud besides a robot pronouncing it, is anhedonia. Uh, I'm almost positive, like, because it's got heathen, like heathen, right in the middle of it, but it's H-E-D-O-N. And the term is a term that's associating with depression and depressive episodes these days. And it literally means, like, not finding joy. Can't find joy. Not finding joy. Not finding joy in things that you know you like. Music that you like. Doing things that you like. Oh, man. Anything that you know that you like. Food, company, all of it. If you know that it normally brings you joy, and you can't find any joy in it, so you stop doing it. Anhedonia. What an interesting, complex concept uh, that is just compacted into a single word. Well, let me just say, on a personal on a personal level, after I came across this and I researched it, I was very curious. Well, how do you fight it? How do you defeat it then? And the answer is very simple. I got the same answer three different places. You just do it. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just suck it up and do it. They didn't say it that way. I went, what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that feeling you have? That there's nothing's good or pleasurable in the world when you look around at the state of things? Uh-huh. That, you just, you just punch through it, buttercup. What? You just do it anyway. I just do the things that are fun anyway, even though they're no fun. Right. How long? You never stop. You never stop doing the things that used to bring you joy? Even though they're not anymore and they're tedious chores? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's your advice? Uh-huh. As a medical health professional community? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, then. And that's what I started to do. So I started to do. All right, fuck it. I'll just... I'll just get another movie, and I'll put it, instead of thinking about it over and over again, I'll just get a movie. Do I get this one? Do I save it for the group? Or do I put it on myself? Fuck it! Nobody cares anymore! <laughs> just do it! You know it's going to bring you joy. The whole reason why you're stressing over, do you watch it by yourself, or do you show it to other people, or do you invite somebody in, the whole reason you're stressing over that is because you enjoy it. And now you're trying to maximize joy like some kind of Silicon Valley neurotripper in your own fucking head. Yes, what we have here is an impulse to watch a movie that we saw once before 17.3 years ago. And if we watch it again, we will be able to milk some more serotonin and dopamine out of it. However, is that all there could be? It's the sound of the company's presentation. We believe that there are more answers ahead. 
there are further things to get to and higher profit margins in the future. But why play it like that if I have the impulse, first of all, up until fairly recently in my life, if I had the impulse to download a movie or get a piece of media or something, even it would cost very, very little or nothing. Shh, don't tell anybody about that second part. I, you know, sometimes still just wouldn't do it. I'd have, I'd have to like come up with a plan or like, like, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, I want to watch that one. Uh, 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 what's another one I can get? Or uh, uh, I would have to do something like that. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about on some degree, and just putting pressure and expectations and plans on yourself for no reason. No benefit. Nobody benefits from it. You certainly fucking don't. Who else does? The louses who come? Ah, eh, fuck them. Nah, they're louses. They're going to come anyway. <laughs> I'm talking about good friends and, and people that you love that are you're close to. Fuck them! But I really do mean it. If you can find joy in something. This is advice for people who are in a depressive state, who are constantly asking themselves through trauma or burnout or, 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 who are constantly going, why can't I, why can't I enjoy this again? I've worked hard. Why can't I turn my mind off? And the answer is, at least for me, just, you just keep doing it. You just put on another Hitchcock because you like him. And you just download another game for 79 cents that you hope. You know, and you play it. You get frustrated. You say, I'm never going to do this again. This is never going to feel right again. And then you just do it again. Because what, what could be more important to you than getting back to this side of you when things are not feeling so great outside of you. What could be more important? If it were a rock in the water and we were drowning with nothing else to grab onto, even if grabbing onto the rock was futile, we'd do it. We do it every time. Even if grabbing onto the rock is as suboptimal of a place that you could be from right now, it's better than sinking lower. So you hold on. Jagged, hard, wet, as it may be, it's better than getting lower. If that's the only move you've got, that's your move. Guess what? You don't have to decide shit. <laughs> Lucky you. So this is for everybody out there who's suffering from that sensation. And for everybody who's not suffering from it and is just having trouble prioritizing yourself first, if you, at any point in this, said, boy, he's right, or laughed when I said, fuck them all, the world's on fire, screw it, double middle finger, if at any point you gave me that grace why wouldn't you give it to yourself why wouldn't you think you deserve it too if you really believe that it was funny or cute coming out of my mouth why shouldn't it apply to you when you're judging yourself have your fun let your stress go and everybody in high school uh that 
that was mean to you is ugly now. So don't even worry about it. Just have a good time. <laughs> okay. All right, that last part was mean, but come on, tell me it doesn't feel good. Tell me it doesn't feel good. Oh. All right. I think that uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. I've got one kind of dark thing to talk about. Uh just because I just I kind of realized how weird it is and how this genre of movie is now going to be dead at least in the way it was presented forever. There was a whole lot in the 80s and 90s of an adult man coming across like a mystical force or whatever. And then he goes back with all of his memory and cognition to high school and he lives it again. Sometimes a little bit younger, which is kind of sweet and innocent. But like, especially when they go back to like high school or college. Uh... I never realized how crazily problematic that is. <laughs> because they the writer never ever seems to acknowledge of okay, but he's going after a high school girl <laughs> in this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I get it. It's the second time around and he's in the body of a high schooler, but Jim Belushi should not be hitting on a 16-year-old this fucking hard. You understand? Like yeah, I understand. No, 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 no. I'm not confused about the premise writer of the movie. I understand the biological age of all the actors involved. I think that's the problem. That's what you focused on. And I have to say, didn't didn't have an issue with it when I was watching him the first time around. But something about this time around, I was like, now hold on a minute. <laughs> now hold on a minute. Because I was really thinking about, like, if I went back, you know, if you zip me back, it's like, would I do it? I was like, of course I would. Of course I would. I would do everything differently. But, <laughs> when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about like, well, this time I know exactly how to buy beer underage. <laughs> I've learned how to hotwire a car since then, and I've learned about nitrile gloves. I've learned how dumb cops are. I could have a lot more fun in high school this time around. Oh, this time I know there's no permanent file. This time I'll actually pay attention in fucking music class. Are you kidding me? So, <laughs> all, all I'm going to say is the fact that all of these movies go back uh, and <laughs> have that, have that as, a, as a through line. Uh, I don't think that's going to work, though. I think it's going to be a lot more like, uh, you know, your your Freaky Fridays of like, oh, my God, your life is hard, too, fellow female in this house. Big hug. I think that's the way it's going to have to stay going forward. <laughs> As you can tell, I've been watching a lot of old, if I've gotten the impulse of like, hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's watch that one again. Let's see how that one feels the second time around. Oh, they feel very different the second time around sometimes. Especially if you haven't seen them in 20 fucking years. <laughs> okay. That was my one little pop culture observation for the week because we know that I need tons of them. How are you all feeling? How's everybody doing? Yeah? No? Nothing? 
thanks for coming out. Thanks for showing support. It means a whole lot. Uh, I'd like to move right into requests now. Just one more time before I do. Uh, couldn't happen without you. Thank you all so very, very much. Our kiss is a secret handshake, a password. We love like spies, like bruised prize fighters, like children building tree houses. Our love is a serious business, our look from you. One look from you and my spine reincarnates as kite string. When I hesitate to hold your hand, it is because to know is to be responsible for knowing. There is no clean way to enter the heavy machinery of the heart. Just jagged cutthroat questions, just the glitter and blood production. The truth is this. My love for you is the only empire I will ever build. When it falls, as all empires do, my career in empire building will be over. I will retreat to an island. I will dabble in the vacation hut industry. I will skulk about the private libraries and public parks. I will fold the clean clothes. I will wash the dishes. I will never again dream of having the whole world. Ah, this is The Nonsense of Love by Mindy Nettifee, N-E-T-T-I-F-E-E. -E. All day long, I see people kiss <sighs> in movie theaters, on the bus, in between the beads of rain. Lovers like glaciers crashing into each other with such ferocious tenderness. <sighs> I hold out my hands and they waltz in my palms, my hands a boathouse, the night a river. I drift through the streets with my eyes closed, grasping at stars. I wish to catch one, take it in my hands and press it to my lips. Boil sex. How I wonder what you are doing now as I watch two people leaning in, could be for the first time, under the awning across the road. Dear God, this moment, just before, when kiss is mere possibility, hovering, a bridge between built of the center outward, when it could go either way, to come ashore or to hurry back into the ocean. The heart, a tower of skittish smoke, and somewhere a soft wind rising. Whatever time there is in a life is a lifetime by Jeremy Wren. <clears throat> and how do we know? 
Know when the end is near, when the ebb and the flow cease and the past is clear, and how to go on when she is gone. How do we know we love? Know when it is not mere lust, as passion rises high above our will, and we must in time surrender even love. And how do we know that the memories endure, and time's winged arrow will not stain what was pure, when the heart's bright blood leaving us lost in the flood? We cannot in truth know, for whatever time may lead us, and whatever we go, only as we love and need, love and return can we heal, and our hearts truly feel. How do we know? Unauthor, uh, no author. Anonymous author. Gosh, you can tell that I'm rusty. How do I was like, what's the word for what's the word for when the author is invisible and everybody just is it QAnon? When the author when you don't know who the author is Is that Richard Bachman? I'm forgetting the term. Everybody knows that the author is somebody else, but that's Richard Bachman, right? Okay. Uh, a woman asked me if I got jokes. I said yes. I never said they were any good. Your life is like a pizza pie. With wisdom should long or year. Okay, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just like a pizza pie, I tried to take it out a little too quickly. I have to let that go back in just for a second. Just for a second, just like a real pizza fucking pie, I just got to stand there by the oven, little bit intoxicated, looking at it through the fucking light, because there's no point to going and sitting back down at this point. It's that close. It's that ready. I just have to fucking stare at it at this point. Sometimes the cattle come out. Sometimes the cattle stay put. That's frankly when I know that it's even more pathetic when even the cat's like, oh. Mm-mm. He'll be back. You just gotta stand there and just like think about your life for sixty to ninety seconds that you weren't expecting. Like, oh, I didn't plan this time alone in today. I wonder if I, I wonder if I hum enough music while I'm trying to pull this pie out. If that'll drown out any thoughts or criticisms I have for myself. Because let me tell you, this is not the optimal moment for self-reflection. I'm about to consume between 18 and 2,200 calories of goddamn pizza. I really don't need to be judging myself right before. Okay. Let's try one more time. Your life is like a pizza pie. With wisdom, you should long or years. What? What? That's what I said the last time, right? I thought it was a dyslexic thing. Nope. Okay, all right. (laughs) Third time. Third time's the charm. Here we go. Your life is like a piece of eye. With wisdom you should, long or years, it is not just a food to eat, but also a lesson to learn. With different sizes, it is available just anywhere. 
when you leave your house to buy one, as you return it, a square. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Eager to see the bread inside with package. The package with care you handle. The moment you open the box, what you have found is a circle. Okay. It's so hard to turn a blind eye to this tasty, delightful dough. As you begin eating a piece, it's triangle you ought to know. Constant change, as in the world, from good reason to alibi. Ooh, that's a good word. That's a good word for wordle. Since we're not, since I'm not all the way into this one, your behavior improves in time. Your life is like a piece of pie. <laughs> life is like a pizza pie, by Bernard F. Oof. Askun, A S U N C I O N. Okay, so I I don't understand what the rhyme scheme was. I followed the meter. I followed the meter as best as I could, as as the roadmap. That was interesting. So I've heard the joke before, like the observation before. It was like, pizza's a funny thing. It comes in a square box, but then it's a circle, and the pieces are in a triangle. I've heard that observation before. I don't... I don't... He kind of Forrest Gumped it, though. He's like, <laughs> you know? Life is like pizza. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's very. You're not gonna get what you were expecting. I was very much expecting a round pizza, Forrest. <laughs> I, I didn't. I've, <laughs> Forrest. That's you've got me. You've got this whole thing wrong. The shape of the box is not. Forrest, do you lack object permanence? <laughs> oh, that woman definitely should not have had sex with you. Oh. What was she doing, going back to high school? Okay. <clears throat> Whenever I am away from you, the distance between us, a burdensome thing, I always think of you in colors, the smell of coffee, as you are so proudly make it for me. The perfect sunlight spilling in through the window. I miss you even when you are beside me. I dream of your body even when you are sleeping in my arms. The words I love you could never be enough. I suppose we'll have to invent new ones. Untitled by Christopher Poindexter I am so tempted to go back and read that one like, <laughs> because this is my poindexter voice. <laughs> I've actually been thinking a lot about one particular episode of The Simpsons lately. I apologies. This is a COVID aside in the middle of a fucking live show. I know. I'm a wild card. Like I said, there's a suggestion box. Do you know where it is? Do you know where it is? It's right between my ass cheeks. That's where you can go ahead and drop it. Uh-huh. Just fill out a note card and slide it down the old coin slot. <laughs> yeah. 
One of my big predictions at the beginning of this was that medical workers and educators uh, and front-end salespeople were going to, like, get the brunt of it. We're just going to get some of the worst of this shit. And now a big story just came out in Texas, uh, of course. Like, as soon as I said Texas, you I know you're all bracing yourself, but, like, <laughs> get ready because it's not going to just be there. <laughs> but, of course, it's starting out in Texas where they're like, Okay, well, we don't have enough teachers, and we don't have any substitutes because they were all retired teachers and they're afraid of dropping dead. So we're just going to let parents come in uh, and and substitute teach? Uh, What could go wrong with that? And I keep thinking back. I keep thinking back to the Simpsons episode, like, over and over again. Like, I've thought of it a lot these last two years, but to see it actually start to come into fruition is amazing, because this is the beginning of that. Ooh, that's a peddling. Ooh, that's a peddling. Is what I was always thinking about. But my God, just because I was doing the Poindexter voice real quick, here's the aside, and here's what made me think of it. They have Professor Frink as one of the substitute teachers that comes in after all the fucking teachers are on strike and he's literally in a classroom with four and five-year-olds playing with a toy. He's explaining the physics of it. And one of them goes, can I have a turn? He goes, no, I understand it on levels that you possibly can't and enjoy it more than you ever could. I think about that shit all the time. Uh, Frank, Frank maximizing the enjoyment based upon cognition in the uh, kindergarten class is just one of my all-time favorite goddamn Simpson gags. Because of course it is. <laughs> good, good morning, after good morning, ma'am. Good afternoon, sir. It technically crossed noon when I said that. <laughs> okay, back to it. <clears throat> See, we can have fun in the apocalypse. We just have to talk about. Children being being taught by random Texan adults. That's fun. You can tell by how he lists to her, kiss him, that the getting as he gets it is good. It's good in the sweetly salty, deeply thirsty way that a sea-fogged rain is good after a summer-long bout of inland drought. And you know when you see it, don't you? How it drenches what's dry, how the having of it quenches. There is a grassy inlet where your ocean meets your land, a slip that needs a certain kind of vessel. And when that shapely skiff skims in at last trimmed bright, mast lightly flagging left and right, then the long, lush reeds of your longing part, the soft against the hole, and the bent wood almost imperceptibly brushes, a luscious hush, the heart heeds helplessly, the hush of the very good. The Hush of the Very Good by Todd Boss. Now that's a sexual metaphor I can get down with. <clears throat> oh, I'll murder I'll murder that Orient Express. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying. 
I like my body when it is with your body. It is so quite new a thing. Muscles better and nerves more. I like your body. I like what it does. I like how it feels. I like to feel the spine of your body and its bones and the trembling, firm smoothness, in which I will again and again and again kiss. I like kissing this and that of you. I like slowly stroking the shocking fuzz of your electric fur, and what it is comes over parting flesh, and eyes, big love crumbs, and possibly, I like the thrill of under me, you, so quiet. New. Positively modern still. <clears throat> I like when my body is it with your. By E. E. Cummings. Never heard that one. Positively modern. Ha ha ha! Well, I already, I already like the first line of this poem. This guy, this guy, I personally, uh, this guy I personally have never, uh, uh, I've never enjoyed, so. Anybody who takes the piss out of him. Raw with love, Charles Bukowski. Little dark girl with kind eyes. Oh, no. This isn't taking the piss. This is somebody requesting it and didn't know how to put the title in. Oh, no, and I just said that. Now they're going to hear that and be like, now, come on. Nope. Uh-uh, Bukowski was a faker, baby. All right. <clears throat> Little dark girl with kind eyes. When it comes time to use the knife, I won't flinch, and I won't blame you. As I drive along the shore alone, as the palms wave, the ugly, heavy palms, as the living does not arrive, as the dead do not leave, I won't blame you. Instead, I will remember the kisses, our lips raw with love, and how you gave me everything you had, and how I offered you what was left of me. And I will remember your small room, the feel of you, the light in the window, your records, your books, our morning coffee, our noons, our nights, our bodies spilled together, sleeping, the tiny flowing currents immediate and forever, your leg, my leg, your arm, my arm, your smile and the warmth of you who made me laugh again, little dark girl with kind eyes, you have no knife, the knife is mine. And I won't use it. Yet. Raw with Love by Charles Bukowski. <laughs> a gray, a gray night addendum. He was just full of fucking shit. The man was just so tame and so innocent. <laughs> uh. It's what happens when you grow up in a culture that's all like, unless you kill somebody by the age of 22, you're a pussy. That's what, that's what makes a Charles Bukowski. 
<laughs> your grand, your grandpappy was a real man. He signed up to fight in the Civil War at 14. He was a man at 14? More of one than you are! Mm. <laughs> Some of us really grew up with that shit. We've watched the older generation be like, Go fuck yourself! You think I don't see you get frustrated when you can't get the garage door to open when you press the button? Who do you think you are, old man? <laughs> you haven't even learned the phrase avocado toast that you think makes you win every argument for the next decade, and I already loathe you. I love you to the moon, and not back. Let's not come back. Let's go up and speed up the rest of the zest and stay up there and get ourselves a little moon cottage. So pretty. And start a little moon garden with lots of little moon veggies. So healthy. I mean, I was already moonlighting an online moonologist most weekends. So this immediate next logical step are you packing your bags yet? Don't forget your Sailor Moon jean jacket. Let's wear our Sailor Moon jean jackets while twirling in that lighter, queer moon gravity. Let's love each other so good. On the moon. Let's love the moon. On the moon. I Love You to the Moon and by Chen Chen. That was a cute one. <laughs> what? Uh, maybe they're out there and I just don't know them. But I kind of feel like homoerotic gay poetry is never so nice. That was like a Claude song. If anybody knows the artist Claude, she's so she's so cute, and almost all of her songs are like, do 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 do. I'm gay, and here's this girl, and I like her, and I mean, just like all of them, like literally, like even the sad ones are pretty much follow that fucking beat. <laughs> I sing along with her because, I mean, she's singing about women like fucking her up by being cute and walking down the street. And I'm like, I, I identify with every part of this except for one. I'm, I can make do. Let's go. <laughs> every time I think of you, my heart wants to tear up of its natural self and create a formation of the feelings that occupy it. Just a little thought of you. You mean so much to me. Sometimes words are just words, and the meaning behind them sometimes seems less. But my eyes can never truly fail to tell the truth from my soul within. Comes out of the joy you've brought into my life. If only there was a better definition of love, then how I feel would not be so normal. Deep inside my soul carries all of the treasures that amounts to a lifetime of happiness. I believe in the feelings which our souls produce, and my love for you is a guarantee. Wherever life takes us, my spirit will always connect to yours. Feelings for You by Loreto Lee Talati, T-L-A-D-I. Okay. 
some very sweet love poems tonight, ladies. I've been making the jokes because I'm feeling real good about being back. But these are some lovely things to have me uh, read for you. I feel just quite welcomed back. I feel like the emperor who's got all of the clothes on. Not just, not only am I naked, but goodness gracious, perhaps you've, 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 uh, you've wrapped too many fine things around me. Especially for a guy who calls his ass crack a coin slot these days. I mean, just think about it in context, what you're, you know, <clears throat> just because you have pearls and you offer them, doesn't mean it's not too swine. Just consider. <clears throat> this handwriting wears itself away. The corners disappear. The R's, the M's become round again. Filed down, they roll away. Polished stones in a stream, the faces too. The faces which waste themselves away from being watched. They changed into landscapes of ruin. That's an interesting one. The handwriting wears itself away by Valerio. Ooh, I'm going to go with Magorelli. M-A-G-R-E-L-L-I. Well, you'd think my fairly recent Sopranos rewatch would have gotten me, you know, capable of just riffing that one off, but apparently not. Magrelli, what are you talking about? Yo, you know Joe, Joe Maggie. Joe Mags. I heard Joe Mags did a job back in 78. You know, it's kind of odd writing love poetry when... I don't have a second soul to write to, but there's a part of me, under the half-a-heart smiles and flurry of self-deprecating anecdotes, that feels every person in the world ought to have a love poem, handwritten, folded up in their pocket. Think about it. There's a world outside that turns regardless of whether or not the aching machine in your chest wants to climb out of bed in the morning. People, all of them, wandering through their own foggy forest of vaguely terrifying, incredibly twisted plots of problems, shuffle by insanely, impossibly, on a planet with billions of other hearts. You feel completely alone. I get that. So, think about it. Wouldn't it be nice for your fingers to snake past your cell phone and change to find, buried in your pocket, a little folded piece of paper with handwritten love poem on it, so you can remember just for a moment that out of those billions of hearts, you, at the very least, have a home in one. So maybe... This isn't handwritten, and maybe it's a silly idea to start with. But somebody has to save the world, even if it's just a little bit at a time. If you're like me and don't have that second soul to hold and comfort your aching machine, if you feel completely alone, then I don't care who or where. You are. You are not alone. Yet another freaking love poem by Ches Dispenser. 
Well, look at how look at how lovely that poem was, and then that's who I get to cite. <clears throat> that would be that would be Chez Dispenser, C H E Z D I S P N S E R, all one word on deviant art. But that was a lovely poem, a lovely sentiment. From too much love of living, from hope and fear set free, we thank with brief thanksgiving, whatever gods may be. That no life lives forever, that dead men rise up never, that even the weariest river winds sometimes safe to the sea. A.C. Swinburne, The Garden of Proserpine. Ooh, I don't know that word. Let's look up a new word. Let's do it right fucking now. Let's look up a new word. Let's find out what it means. Oh, it's the name of a river in ancient Greece. Okay. Oh, well, I've heard of sticks before. And this is not sticks. Okay, all right. So it's the river that... Boy, I just played Hades and they didn't use this. This would have been great for them to use. Uh, it's the river that Persephone can take back to the surface. Okay, it's the river that uh, it's the river that comes back. Okay, so you got your sticks on the way in, you got your uh, you got your prosapine on the way out. There you go. There you go. <laughs> ah, the ancient Greeks and their infinite ability to just re retcon the shit out of their own gods just constantly. Just constantly retcon the shit out of their own gods every time they wrote themselves in a corner. Because boy, howdy, did they. Uh, Grotos. Grotos made all the gods. Okay, then where did Athena come from? Zeus had a headache one day? <laughs> what? Zeus, Zeus had a headache one day. What does that have to do with Athena? She was the headache. Like, like, metaphorically? Literally. They opened up his head. She popped out. And just two people blinking at each other like, Okay, it's sacrilege if we disagree with this out loud. So let's not do it. <laughs> and then I found out that Catholics have been doing the same thing. Because I'm an equal opportunity offender. I found, I played this game that is just, just awful called blasphemous and it's like it's a catholic torture porn game like like there are there, there are boss fights that are against like giant bleeding babies <laughs> and it's all very catholic like iconography and all that shit uh it's just very it's just very steeped in suffering and the crucifix and the crown of thorns and all like every everything is just very Lane. And so I just kind of looked up a little bit about it because I knew this one guy who was super obsessed with Catholic stuff that's not in the Bible. And he would know it all. He'd be like, no, no, the Pope's only infallible when he sits on this one chair. And uh, the Cardinals can all... It's like, what? You actually know all this shit? And he actually did know it all. Like, I would look it up thinking he was bullshitting. And like, no, it all turned out to be true. And so he knew it in the same way that somebody, that you would be all like, yeah, 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 I'll just deflect that AT-AT blast with my lightsaber. And they'd be like, actually, an AT-AT light. They'd be like those fucking Star Wars nerds. you are like, come on, you got what I was fucking saying, asshole. He would be like that, except Catholic mythology. And so I, 
I looked I looked up a fair a fair bit of it. And they just have been making it up for a thousand fucking years. All of it. All of it. I should have known, because it was a major story about 20 years ago, and people were really mad for no reason whatsoever, but they got rid of purgatory? Do you guys remember that at all? Some of you are far too young to remember that. But it was a huge, major news story that the Catholic Church was just all like, uh, there's not, there's not a lot of biblical... Documentation of Pigato, which is kind of weird. Also, we think it's strange that we ask you guys to read the Bible every week for 2,000 years and you still don't know, like, most of the stories in there, but you all know about purgatory? What the f- how? It's not even. It's not in there. Do a control F! <laughs> When I found out, because purgatory has just always been this idea and, and presented, and like there's a lot of Westerns that use the tr- the concept of purgatory, if not the outright name, and and all that. So purgatory is pretty steeped in my you know in my, in my youth and culture and all that growing up. The concept of purgatory, and then one day someone just like laid down the historical fact on me that was like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Originally, purgatory was only for uh, unbaptized babies. And I went, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the first, like, 75 to 100 years, that's all who went to purgatory. But then they slowly, like, the MCU, they just kind of kept expanding it. So then it became noble pagans, and then it became, like, the virtue. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, because, like, everybody would have, like, a friend where, like, well, they don't go to hell, do they? And eventually you'd be like, well, I guess they don't go to hell. So at one point, like, the black guys who are bringing nutmeg up from Africa and shit into Europe are like, well, they don't go to hell, obviously. Just because they're mu- We love the nutmeg vendors! They just have to stay in purgatory with all the babies for six thousand, uh, ten thousand years. Or so. Then they can come on. We like those ones. Come on. Those are the good ones. You don't want to piss off the nutmeg vendors. We don't even know what cinnamon is, really. Like, when we really talk about when we really think about we don't know what it is. So don't fucking piss them off, because we want to keep the cinnamon going. <laughs> Oh my god, I even had another joke to to springboard off that, but I guess I lost it. See, I need to get more high because then I never lose a ramble, right? That's how it works. This is uh this is the soberest I've ever come to uh to a show. I took a nap and a bath before coming to this show instead of a dab and a big old shot. Uh feeling like I said, I very much have accepted and embraced the concept of fuck it. Why am I going to be anxious? What am I going to do? Tiffany Haddish couldn't tell a joke, and she's more famous than ever and more successful than ever at stand-up comedy because people were mean to her for not being able to tell a joke one night. What am I fucking afraid of? The answer is just me and a little bit less by the goddamn day. So... I love you all so much, and I just want you to consider that maybe idiocracy was right in one capacity. Perhaps raising your middle finger at somebody is a sign of affection. Hmm? 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 <clears throat> <laughs> oh, yes. The rain 
is sorry. Unfemale, of course, the rain with her painted face, still plain, and with such pixel you'll never see. It is pure freckling. The lacquer of her, the world is lighter with her recklessness, a handkerchief so wet it is clear. To you, my withered place, this frumpy home, nearer to the body than to the evening, miserable beloved, I lie tender and devout with insomnia, perfect on the center pillow past midnight, sick with the thought of another year of walking, salt and happy. It has never been this way. Believe strangers who say the end is close, for what could be closer? You are my stranger, and see how we have closed on both ends, nights wet, all nights blind and carried, and watermarks, the plough of the rough on the slick love, a tendency towards fever, to break, to soil. Would I dance with you? Both forever, and rather die. It would be like dying, yes. Yes, I would. I have loved the slaking of your forgotters, your indifferent hands on my loosening, through a thousand panes of glass, not all transparent, and the temperature. I felt that. What you said is not less than that. A Project Project for a Fainting by Brenda Shaunassi. Shaunassi. We've, we've definitely done, I definitely remember that name before. S-H-A-U-G-H-N-E-S-S-Y. Okay. We've got a Shaunassi stand in the house somewhere. There is a loud singer everyone has heard, loud a midsummer and a midward bird, who makes the solid tree trunk sound again. He says that the leaves are old and that for flowers midsummer is to spring as one is to ten. He says the early petal fall is past when pear and cherry bloom went down in showers on sunny days, a moment overcast. And comes all that other fall we name the fall. He says the highway dust is all over. The birds would cease and would be other birds. But that he knows in singing not to sing. The question that he frames in all but words is what to make of a diminished thing. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, well, no wonder. The Oven Bird by Robert Frost. That son of a bitch, she was so talented. That son of a bitch, she's so good at getting you to the end of a poem going, and here's what it was about. <laughs> it's like he's a supervillain. He's like Frozone with words. You all seen The Incredibles? He's like Frozone, but with fucking words. Robert Frost, out! <laughs> What was the name of his wife? Was it Ethel? Ethel! Where is my riding pin? <laughs> okay. 
There has never been sunlight for this love. Like a crazed flower it buds in the dark, is at once a crown of thorns and a spring garland around the temples. A fire, a wound, the bitterest of fruit, but a breeze as well, a source of water, your breath a bite to the soul, your chest a tree trunk, and the current make me walk on turgid, turbid, whoops, turbid waters. And the axe that breaks this lock, the dew that weeps from trees, if I become the mute kissing your thighs, it's that my heart eagerly searches your flesh for a new dawn. O oh, Dark Love, I, by Francisco Alacron. We've definitely done him before as well. When two souls fall in love, there is nothing else but the yearning to be close to the other, the presence that is felt through a hand held, a voice heard, a smile seen. Souls do not have calendars or clocks, nor do they understand the notion of time or distance. They only know it feels right to be with one another. This is the reason why you miss someone so much when they are not there, even if they are not only in the very next room. Your soul only feels their absence. It doesn't realize the separation is temporary. Souls by Lang Leave, L-E-A-V. Just a couple of poems left. Thank you for everybody who put them in there. We have really quite a good variety today all over the place, and thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time. <clears throat> Still, living like they orbit one another, my grandfather, the planet, a grandma, his moon assigned by some gravitational pull. They have loved long enough for a working man to retire. Grandma says he's not tired. She wears her husband like a coat that survives every season, talks about him in a way my parents talk about vinyl, the subject salvaged by the tent of their tongues. Grandma returns to her love like a hymn, marks it with a color. When the world ends, will it suck the earth of all its love? Will I go talking someone's hand? Will I go taking someone's hand? My skin becoming their skin? The digital age is taking away our winters, and I'm afraid the sun is my soulmate. That waste waits for a wet kiss. Carbon calls me pretty. And I think death is a good first date. I hope that when the world ends, it leaves them be, spares Grandpa and his game, Grandma spinning corn into weight, the two of them reeling into Western theme songs, the TV louder than whatever is coming. Beautiful. The world is about to end, and... My Grandparents Are in Love by Kara Jackson Stay, I said, to cut flowers, 
they bowed their head lower. Stay, I said to the spider, who fled. Stay, leaf, it reddened, embarrassed for me and itself. Stay, I said to my body as I sat, as a dog does, obedient for a moment, soon starting to tremble. Stay to the earth, the riverine valley meadows of fossilized enscotments of limestone, sandstone. It looked back with a changing expression in silence. Stay, I said to my loves. Each answered, always. Jane Hirschfield, The Promise My sister found them, read them out loud. She's so proud, she's running to our parents, waving my poems in the air. Doesn't she know? She's waving my underwear. April Halplin Wayland. Poetry is my underwear. And one last one for tonight. Some say I'm now almost extinct in this park, but the people who say this don't know that by smelling the orchids in the trees, they're sensing the fragrance of my chops. That by hearing the rumbling of the waterfalls, they're listening to my ancestors' great roar. That by observing the constellations of the night sky, they're gazing at the star spots on my fur, that I am and will always be the wild, untamed, living spirit of this jungle. Jaguar by Francisco Alacron <laughs> And speaking of ancestors and ancestral land, um, I did remember the one thing that I wanted to kind of diss on, because uh, much as when I found out one thing about purgatory, it totally turned the idea of all of that off and on its head. I've recently been thinking about how lucky I was as a kid that the very first time I was really being introduced to the Civil War, the United States Civil War, that, because, you know, they really tried to dress it up and make it look really interesting in school and kind of make it this whole affair and talk about it. There was this whole gods and generals period where people were like really big into it. And I don't know if you all know this, but like in the late 90s, like throughout the 90s, like people were reenacting that shit. Like they were fully and unironically white ass dudes who probably weren't that bad. Like full on making cosplay of, of, of Confederate outfits and having fake battles and all kind like this was just kind of standard behavior and it wasn't even blinked at that much. And like, this is true. Somebody, if you told somebody that like 20 years later, the people who are dressing up like comic book characters 
and space aliens and shit and going to conventions would be normal and society would think that was great and women would be like lining up to suck those guys dicks if they you know had halfway decent hygiene and physicality and all the rest right if you told me that like that would be hot and women would like to the guys who are dressing up as confederates and shit the guys dressing up like the confederacy would laugh at you like what are you talking about we're celebrating our proud history and heritage. You're just being a nerd. And, like, they would have meant it and had a point at the, at the culture that they were in, right? Uh, this, is why, this is why I personally, like, love stuff like uh, Stranger Things, because that's not the 80s I went to. My 80s has McDonald's-licensed ashtrays and... People saying D and if your kid plays D and D and enjoys it, he's going to hell, right? That's my eighties. That's the eighties that I fucking remember. Uh, so, when when somebody's all like, you know, when Netflix goes back and makes a show like Glow, or it's like, oh my god, you're gay and you can see us all in the tr you like women, and we don't even have a word for that in the eighties at this point, I guess, and you can see us in a changing room. <sighs> I'm disgusted by you. And then 10 minutes later, we're best friends again. I'm so sorry. I just had to learn. Yeah, that's not exactly how homophobia worked back then. Uh, <laughs> not, not with the Reagans and the fucking White House. And not with, and that's not how it worked. That's not, that's not how it worked. I just got to say, it was a little bit slower. As the David Sedaris line goes... As history has shown us, there is sometimes a little bit of a lag or a period in between uh, using somebody as a slave and being best friends. Look it up later on your own time. It's a fantastic fucking bit. I watch it every Christmas. All right. So, you know, just, just saying the premise there, there was a real chance that Jackie could have been a Civil War reenactor. I can't tell you how often they tried to play the fucking movie Glory in middle school. For, like, when the teacher had a hangover or something. There was a real chance that Daddy could have been a Civil War enthusiast. He's super into the 1800s. He, he thinks 1800s are really, really interesting. He just goes a little bit later. Goes a little, he goes after to the Gilded Age. So there's, like, all, everything lines up. It could have fucking happened. But the first real lesson when I was actually interested in paying attention about the Civil War was about... Of course, Gettysburg. Yeah? And they just kind of try and gloss over this fact. Like, they said it so gently. But after they said it, I could never focus on anything else in the Civil War. And I immediately knew all of it was bullshit on both sides. All just bullshit propaganda. Did you know what the Battle of Gettysburg was fought over? Historical record, do you know what the Battle of Gettysburg was fought over? Why it was fought? Why so many men, after all of that fighting and running away and not engaging, slugged it out like motherfuckers outside the town of Gettysburg for two days? After all of the evasions and after all of the, you know, having light fucking conflicts and all, do you know why they did it? Shoes. For shoes. For fucking shoes. No, I'm not kidding. And once I heard that, 
I couldn't get it out of my head, and I had to find out more about it. Gettysburg had shoe factories. And you know what the South didn't have at that point? Shoes. And winter was coming. And so the Southern forces knew one of two things was going to happen. They were going to get these shoes before winter came, or they were going to lose all these dudes to attrition. They were going to die, and they were going to wander off. This was it. They didn't have coffee in the South, and that was already really weighing on them. They didn't have coffee at this point. They didn't. All the coffee was in the North. They're actually, uh, there's, a, there's a bush in the South that tastes like ass, and it does have a little bit of caffeine, but it's also poisonous. And so a lot of Southerners are like boiling these leaves and, and just terribly sick, but they need the caffeine. Uh, so there's no chocolate really in the South at this point. Uh, a lot of supplies are really, really uh, slim. And this winter's coming, and Gettysburg is uh, a fair ways into this conflict. I'm no expert in the Civil War. And the North hears this. And knows it. And they go, well, they only have one option here. They have to go for these shoes and clothing. They have to try and loot Gettysburg. It's the only population center that's big enough. It's the only place with enough supplies for them to survive the winter. They have to raise a city, the southern, these southern forces, or they will be uh, destroyed by attrition. So we're going to set everything up. And then for two days... 14 through 18-year-old boys beat the shit out of each other to death, to death, with guns that were effectively just clubs, because at that point, how badly they were malfunctioning, and how low the supplies were, and how often child soldiers were conscripted by both sides in the mud for two days. Over fucking shoes! And once you really, really internalize that idea, all of this, like, the South is... Oh, the North! Bullshit. Bullshit! At the end of the day, it was a bunch of kids fighting over shoes. We've got shoes. You don't got shoes. You need shoes. We know you need shoes. Let's duke it out. Shoes. (laughs) So every time, if you're in America to this very day, and you're in a kind of sketchy neighborhood, and you look up, and you see a pair of shoes that have been uh, tied together and thrown over a power line, just know, that's a fine American tradition. Beating the shit out of somebody weaker in a worse position than you, and fucking them up over shoes, it goes right on back. Okay. Ah, did you guys have a fun time? Yeah, what'd you talk about? Uh, burping, genocide, depression, the Civil War, beating up on children, uh, adult men having sexual conversations, <laughs> having sexual conversations with 15-year-old, 16-year-old girls. Uh, I think that about covers it. It's a great time. Loved it. One one final observation, because I have been watching all of these uh, old movies, is when they set a movie in the past, doesn't matter how old the movie is, if the movie set in the past from when it was released, it's okay to have sex. But if the movie is set when it is, and it needs to be nice for the whole family, you can't have sex. But because Greece is set 20 years before Greece came out, 
It's okay that they're all horny teenagers and that they're all trying to get laid and everything's going to go out. However, if you tried to make that a family-friendly film in the 70s, absolutely all of those teenagers would not even be allowed to kiss. This is not an observation that I came up with. I had a girlfriend once, and she was real witty. You can tell why she was my girlfriend after you hear this fucking story. She's like, I'm stuck at my... We're just texting each other. She goes, I'm stuck at my parents' place, and you know how they are, and they're religious. And so, you know, they, they put on the Hallmark Channel all day. Uh, and normally, the Hallmark Channel <laughs> is very chaste, and no one's having any sex or even kissing. But... Because it's all stuff like Jason and the Argonauts and Bible stories, it's all, and this is a quote that I'll never forget, asses over heads. And ever since she said it that way, <laughs> I have realized, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay to say people had sex. It's okay to say that sex happened way back when the oldest people in the room invented it and were the only people good. Because the kids, they don't know how to sex. They, you shouldn't even show it. They don't even know how to do it. They're not even doing it right. They're not even doing it right. He's barely slapping her in the face until she just gazed their lip. He's not even doing it. See, dark ass jokes. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Let's move into love letters after all of that fucking... <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Thanks for coming on out, making me feel like a prince. Or maybe just a knight. How can I explain to you my happiness, my golden, wonderful happiness, how much I am all yours, with all my memories, poems, outbursts, inner whirlwinds? Or explain that I cannot write a word without hearing how you will pronounce it and can't recall a single trifle I've lived through without regret, so sharp that we haven't lived through it together, whether it's the most, the most personal, intransmissible, or only some sunset or another at the bend of a road. You see what I mean, my happiness? And I know I can't tell you anything in words, and when I do on the phone, then it comes out completely wrong. Because with you, one needs to talk wonderfully. The way we talk with people long gone, in terms of purity, and lightness, and spiritual precision. And you can be bruised by an ugly diminutive, because you are so absolutely resonant, like seawater. My love name. I swear, and the ink blot has nothing to do with it, I swear by all that's dear to me, all I believe in, I swear that I have never loved before as I love you with such tenderness. The point, tears, and with such a sense of radiance. Love letter, Nobokov, to his wife, Vera. Well, who knew? Who knew that Nobokov could write? Huh? What a surprise. Who knew Nobokov could write? What else he, what else he got there, Vlad? 
<clears throat> Hi, Jay. Um, I want to tell you something. Something that is not letting me sleep right now. As I've always said that I want to be honest with you, I will be honest in this too. Today you asked if we could be like the couple in the pick. Honestly, I thought about you when I chose that pick. You know, I like to watch sweet couple moments a lot. Before I met you, I used to watch these, and they were just sweet couples. But now when I watch these, I imagine you being with me. But please forgive me when I say it is too soon, because I am scared of being heartbroken, as I have read in stories that it is very painful. It is not like I don't want to be with you at all and call you mine proudly. You know I like math a lot, and in math we don't move to the next step unless we're proved right. Like that, I only want to be sure and confident before we move to the next step. When you ask me, what are we then? I got scared that you wouldn't like my answer, and that you get upset and disappointed in me. From Ashu to Jay, I have no other information than that. <clears throat> my beloved angel. I am nearly mad about you, as much as one can be mad. I cannot bring together two ideas that you do not interpose yourself between them. I can no longer think of nothing but you. In spite of myself, my imagination carries me to you. I grasp you. I kiss you. I caress you. A thousand of the most amorous caresses take possession of me. As for my heart, there you will always be, very much so. I have a delicious sense of you there, but by God, what is to become of me if you have deprived me of my reason? This is a monomania which, this morning, terrifies me. I rise up every moment and say to myself, Come, I am going there. And then I sit down again. Moved by a sense of my obligations, there is a frightful conflict. This is not a life. I have never before been like that. You have devoured everything. I feel foolish and happy as soon as I let myself think of you. I will round in a delicious dream in which I once invest. I live a thousand years. What? A horrible situation. Overcome with love, feeling love in every pore, living only for love, and seeing oneself consumed by griefs and caught in a thousand spider's threads. Oh, my darling Eva, you did not know it. I picked up your card. It is there before me. And I talk to you as if you were here. I see you as I did yesterday. Beautiful. Astonishingly beautiful. Yesterday, during the whole evening, I said to myself, She is mine. Ah! The angels are not as happy in paradise as I was yesterday. Balzac to Countess Elwina Hoska. Now I've read that one before because that's that that uh, that that's the poem that taught me monomania. And when I 
read it the last time, I had to look up Monomania because I had no idea what it meant. And this time I went through. So I'm going to ask you all who, who are here live a, a real life question. Um, did I read that okay since I've read it before? Did you guys think I read that okay? Like, really? Like, be brutal. Did you think that sounded okay? Did it sound like I was, like, stuttering or like I was having trouble with the meter or anything like that to you guys at all? Because I, I have a... I have a little bit of a confession, I have to say, because I have read that one, I think, twice before. This will be the third time. Um, as soon as I knew what it was, I was like, oh, I've read this before. And my mind turned off, and I was literally thinking for about half of that the whole way through. I wasn't thinking anything other than, but alibi is a really great wordle word. Like, that word's going to fuck up a lot of people's day. Like, as soon as alibi gets chosen, that's going to fuck people up. People are not going to be able to get alibi. The double I alone is like in a five-letter word. People are just, unless people cheat, they're going to get fucked up. Taser wouldn't hit, and then I would use pound. And that's what I was thinking while I was reading that. I just need to be clear. Sometimes my mind goes away. And, um, and just in case you are wondering, yes, in fact, I can do it while eating some really great pussy. Where do you think I came up with the fact that Solomon Grundy was Jewish? You think that revelation came to me on a metro? You think I was in the middle of a work day when I realized, by God, Batman's been fighting a Jewish zombie for 30 years? No! I was making a woman see the stars. But I'd done it before. Oh, like every time you put a cock in your mouth, you're not thinking about what you gotta do the next day. Get out of here! This is what I say in the middle of love letters. And this is exactly what it's like to hang out with me. <laughs> this is ex like everyone who's like, oh, I really want to be your girlfriend. This is exactly what it's like. I will lick the pussy. I'll make a Batman joke. I'll walk out of the room. You will not know which way you feel about what. You'll overall say you had a good time, you think. But you'll say it in the way that a true crime interviewee gives, gives their testimony on how they got out of the trunk of the car. I, it just all happened so fast. I, one minute I was, one minute I was upright, and then I was, then I was trapped. <laughs> I don't know how I got away. I'm lucky to be alive. Do you have ADHD? No. Are you sure? Yes, I've been tested for it. A lot! <laughs> my dearest Teresa, I have read this book in your garden, my love. You were absent. Or else I could not have read it was a favorite book of yours, and the writer was a friend of mine. You will not understand these English words, and others will not understand them, which is the reason I have not scrawled them in Italian. You well recognize the handwriting of him who passionately loved you, and you will divine that over a book which was yours. He could only think of love. In that word, Beautiful in all languages, but most so in yours, Amor Mio, is comprised 
of existence here and hereafter. I feel I exist here, and I feel I shall exist hereafter. To what purpose, you will decide. My destiny rests with you. And you are a woman, eighteen years of age, and two out of the convent. I love you, and you love me, at least you say you do, and act as if you do, which last is great consolation in all events. But more than love you, and cannot cease to love you, think of me sometimes, when the Alps and ocean divide us. But they never will, unless you wish it. Lord Byron to Teresa Oh my god, I thought that was so nice until it was Lord Byron at the end. I'm like, you fucking pervert. I thought that was going to be so sweet and this was an Italian man who had learned English or something. What? You speak English, Byron? That's your first language. What do you mean? I wrote you this thing in English. I did write it in Italian. Uh, I'm going to steal that line. I'm stealing that. I'm going to say that I'm, like, next DM that's got, like, really, really fucking frisky. It's like I wrote this in English instead of French because I wanted you to know that my dick is as hard as wood. I appreciate that I'm messing up the love poems a little. I pro I'll come back next time. We'll be more lovey-dovey. It'll be great. I promise. I promise. I promise. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. All right. Maybe I'm lying. But again, world's on fire. I give a shit. Was it Mary Shelley that couldn't stand being in the same room as Lord Byron? I want to say it was Mary Shelley who could not stand being in the same room as Lord Byron, and she was all like, "Fuck this shit! I'm gonna write. Fra I'm gonna write Frankenstein is dead." I think it was Mary Shelley. You guys really know for sure. And Mary Shelley's about eighteen, nineteen when she writes Frankenstein, uh, which has always pissed me off terribly because not only was she super young when she wrote that motherfucker she invented the science fiction genre at that age it's like god, what the hell what are you god damn it that's not fair she did it over a summer because she didn't like being perved on by byron what alternate history with jack it's better and more accurate than you think I know, I know this sounds like if Joe Rogan suddenly had like a humanities-based podcast, everything that I'm saying. <laughs> up, up next, Bram Stoker, why was he talking about vampires? He was one. On the Joe Rogan, on the Joe, on the Joe, <laughs> on, the, on the Joe Rogan honors experience! <laughs> <laughs> oh man Joe Rogan is a parent and adult in Texas that means he could be a substance how did I not put this together before <laughs> I would actually kill to see Joe Rogan try and teach high school math 
I would, I would do horrible things to make that happen. <sighs> I would, I would hurt a lot of good people because they were going to be hurt anyway. <laughs> so what the fuck? <laughs> Let's make it happen. Joe Rogan teaching basic math, like integers and shit. I would, come on. You're te- this is like um, Alex Jones when he had to testify finally in his, his, uh, in his goddamn divorce case. Did you? The testimony was up, like within hours of of him doing it. The uh, not the testimony. The um begins with a D. Not a legal mind. Uh, not debriefing. Uh, dep- deposition. Thank you so much, uh, Elena. Um, the deposition. Uh, was up immediately, and I I first scrolled to a port that I read in the news that I had to see because it became very famous, uh, where Alex Jones gets asked what his two boys' names are that he's contesting in the divorce for full-time custody. He gets asked, what is their name? <laughs> and he doesn't know what it is. And the judge is all like, like, really, like, you don't, you can't remember your boys' names? <laughs> like, the, like, the judge is like, What's happening right now? <laughs> and Alex Jones immediately goes, Well, I had chili for lunch. It was really spicy, so... That's on film. In a court of law. That is legal documentation in the United States. <laughs> Needless to say, he did not get full-time custody of the children after that answer. <laughs> I watched, I watched the whole, I watched the whole thing. So just like, I got drunk as fuck and I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole deposition and I mean, it was amazing. It was just so cathartic because of how fucking crazy that guy is. And he can't even fucking lie his way out of a paper sack as soon as, as soon as, as soon as someone's like, whoa, 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 excuse me. As, as someone's been practicing family law for 25 years now, the fuck you just say? The fuck did you just say in my courtroom to me to convince me that you're the smart one and the right one? So just like that, I think if we could watch Joe Rogan struggle with basic integers and like shit and like, like someone's like, no, 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 it's uh, please excuse my drunk Aunt Sally. It's PEMDAS. And he's all like, but what? Why does it got to be PEMDAS? Like, you know that he, because he wouldn't be able to remember the six rules, his immediate play would be all like, that's not the way that the Romans did it, or some shit like that. And I would just like, again, I would pay money to watch this guy motherfucking try and talk his way out of high school. Basic high school fucking math concept. Core, core concepts. Core, core concepts of mathematics that are very, very basic. I would pay to see his five foot three ass. All the high school students being taller than him. It might be a repeat of that brilliant and wonderful thing that happened with Cat Williams, where he fought a 13-year-old and lost. That could happen to Joe Rogan, too. If you believe in the dream, if you believe, it's out there. He's only getting older, rounder. He's only doing more and more drugs that are definitely taking away from his reaction time. I know I know people are going to say he's always been dumb. I'm not going to disagree, but he's not always been this dumb. I'm just saying, believe in it. Maybe it can happen. It happened to Alex Jones. As, as my new favorite phrase is uh, from the last year, it's always the ones you most suspect. It's always the ones you most suspect. 
<clears throat> okay. That's my love letter to the world. Two more love letters to go. We got to get through this shit. I'm sorry. I'm having a good time coming back. I can be a little bit rambly. I can be a little bit loosey-goosey. I can be... Uh, and I'm just having a good time. I'm enjoying it. It's been too long. I also think it's been too long. I'm also glad I'm back. I feel It feels wonderful to watch the chat scroll again and all the hearts and all. It just feels good. It just feels real fucking good. Okay. <clears throat> Madame! If I hadn't begun thrice to write as so often thrown away my pen, may I never take it up again. My head and my heart have been at cuffs about you for two long hours. Says my head, you're a coxcomb for troubling your noodle with the lady whose beauty is much above your pretensions as your merit is below her love. Then answers my heart, good Mr. Head. You're a blockhead. I know, mister. F.R.'s merit better than you. And as for your part, I know you to be whimsical as the devil. And changing with every new notion that offers, but for my fair share, I am fixed. And can stick to my opinion of a lady's merit for ever. And if the fair, she can secure an interest in me, Monsieur Head. <laughs> Monsieur Head? Not even Monsieur Tet? Ugh. You may go and whistle. I... Sorry, just real quick, call back to the Lord Byron. I, I, wrote, I wrote Head in English so that other people wouldn't know. All right. You just, you just spent two hours of arguing about this and writing the letter. You won't even look up the French word for head, huh? All right. <laughs> come, come, answered my head. You, Mr. Hart, are always leading the gentleman into some inconvenience or other. Was it not you that first enticed him to talk to this lady? Your damned confounded warmth made him like this lady. Your busy impertinence has made him right to her. Your leaping and skipping disturbs his sleep by night and his good humor by day. In short, sir, I will hear no more of it. I am head, and I will be obeyed. You lie, sir, replied my heart, being very angry. I am head in matters of love, and I do not give your consent, you shall be forced. For I am sure that in this case all members will be on my side. Whatever say you, gentlemen, hands! Well, uh, author's note at this point, if I've been thinking about a woman for two hours between my head and my heart, I will also use my hands, but probably not the way that he's... <clears throat> oh! Oh, 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 say the hands. Oh, we, we would not forgo the tickling pleasure of touching a delicious white soft skin for the world. Well, what say you, Mr. Tongue? Zounds, says the linguist. <laughs> That's pretty clever. There is more ecstasy in speaking three soft words of Mr. Hart's suggestion than the whole orations of Sonyo's heads. He did it twice! Senor heads! <laughs> you threw a 
listen. I don't even speak these fucking languages, asshole. I know these words. <laughs> That's so funny to me. I don't know why. So I am all for the lady, says the linguist. And here's my oddest neighbor. Lips will stick to it. By the sweet power of kisses that we well replied the lips, and presently some other worthy members <laughs> standing up for the heart, they laid violent hands, knee-mind contracedent, on poor head, and knocked out his brain. <gasps> so now, madame, behold me, as perfect a lover as in any Christendom, my heart firmly dictating every word I say. The little rebel throws itself into your power, and if you don't support it with the cause it has taken up for your sake, think what will be the condition of the headless and the heartless. George Farquhar to Anne Oldfield from the year 19... Uh, sorry, from the year 1699. Uh, I, I wanted to... I'm glad that the year... Thank you, whoever requested that and put the year in there. Uh, I was very curious. I saw it got mentioned in chat real quick as well. Uh, you, don't, you don't see a lot of zounds, and you especially don't see them uh, in a lot of love poetry. Do you guys know what zounds means? C-O-U-N-D-S? Zound? Great, great... Great wordle word, zound, Z-O-U-N-D. It's a very, very specific uh, uh, phraseology. And, of course, it ties back in with the Christendom reference. Uh, it's used in a fair bit of Shakespeare when people are really kind of nasty. Like a Falstaff will say that one. Like Shakespeare, who's not afraid to make people curse. He only makes really people who are... Pretty, pretty desperate, and, and people he doesn't want you to celebrate say zounds. And it means Christ's blood or Christ's wounds. It's very specific. It means the sacred blood of Christ is leaking out. Is what a zound, is what zounds are. Is what a zound is, is what zounds are. So like the spear that went in between his ribs and the blood that came out, that's zound. The bloody, perfect essence of Christ. So can you imagine, like, in a time where, you know, theaters have to have medallions saying that, like, Christendom blesses this house that's filled with lies and shit to operate? Can you imagine, like, how fucking, like, powerful of a statement someone's like, Christ fucking blood bleeding out! Like, how, like, mad somebody must fucking be to scream that one out? <laughs> <laughs> it's just when I found out that's what Zounds meant I'm like that is a lot more intense statement than Mary Jesus <laughs> Mary Jesus and Joseph Mary Jesus and Joseph's got nothing on that one <laughs> and that's when we scream Mary Jesus and Joseph but Zounds is just that much more and then Zounds became your old man's word oh the essence of Christ is it Lord I this is how English people talk in the year 1705 eh Still say in it, in it. E. <laughs> Why are you only saying the first two letters of yeah? It's spelled Y-E-A-H. Yeah. 
But why are you only pronouncing the first two letters? You're not pronouncing it right. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's happening to the second part of that? What are you talking about? Saying it right, just like Colonel. What? You want caramel candy? You are dropping all of your A's and all of your vowels. Where are they going? <laughs> we gave them away to South Africa. All right. <laughs> Last love letter, if I can pull it together. Dear lady. There is something not quite definable in your face, something lovely, not pretty in a conventionally thought-of way. You have something graceful and tender and feminine. You seem to be a woman who has been loved in her childhood, or else, somehow by the mystery of genetic phenomena, you have been visited by the gifts of refinement, dignity, and poise. Perhaps you cannot be accredited with all that. Irrespective of your gothic aspects, you have passed something on in terms of your expression, mean, and general comportment that is unusual and rewarding. It's been a pleasant, if brief, encounter, and I wish you well, and I hope we shall have occasion to cross eyes again sometime. Best wishes, Marlon Brando. <clears throat> and now the last line of this makes it. In case you, in case you are wondering if if the person who submitted that was self aware, here it is. Here's what they wrote down at the end, just to make sure that we understood the context. Marlon Brando, to a flight attendant, on a plane, from New York to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, meanwhile, Burt Reynolds, the same period, he's like, ah, you look pretty sexy. You want to fuck in the bathroom? Ah, no, that's okay. I'm fine. Ah, ah. <laughs> ah, she had great gams. I thought I'd ask her. Ah, oh. All right, I can't do a great Burt Reynolds, but screw you. <laughs> Neither can he. All right. We have a quick, quick, quick little funny piece of smut, and then we're out. If you're going to tip me to it now, thank you so much. It is good to be back. Please get those requests ready for next week. I will see you if you come on out. Know that if you send a request, if you come out, you make other ladies of the night so damn happy. You bring me that energy. You bring us this content. Let's keep the Jubilee on a rolling. Here we go. This is... A blissfully, thankfully, correctly assigned, because I was so rambly, short, funny smut story. And it's on Literotica with a below 3.9 rating, which is kind of hard to do, even though I've managed it a few times. So, here we go. <laughs> I got home late that night. It was a long lecture. I was just tired and glad to be back home. I walked in, put my things down, and poured myself a drink. 
This is already better written than 95% of the bad smut we've written. I'm a little worried. I went upstairs to my room and put my drink down and jumped into bed. I put the TV on and put my feet up. I lived with Jeff, Lucy, and Jackie. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Jackie and Lucy were lesbians. (laughs) And they were both very attractive. (laughs) But we all understood the situation. Great friends. Jeff was away that Friday, and his fu- <laughs> Oh no! We're all- we lost Jeff! He was such an integral- He was such an integral part of the story! Ah! <laughs> it's- a- It's almost as though spending time to introduce that Jeff was a roommate had nothing- Ah! That's like, it's like he has like, okay, well, it's an 1800 square foot apartment, so you can't just have three people living there. I mean. (laughs) Jeff was away that Friday, and as far as I knew, Lucy and Jackie had gone out to the club night everyone else were at. I decided to take off my jeans and shirt, because the house was warm. A few hours... (laughs) After <laughs> they were writing so comp so you can tell that there are things that this author has done in real life, like come home after a long day at school, fix himself a drink, sit down in front of the TV. There are things that this author has done in real life. Having a threesome with two lesbian women does not appear one of them. Does not appear to be one of them. Because look at the transition between look at how I do this and I don't. And this other part of like, oh, the sexy thing though. Like, look at all the justification for this sexy sex that I'm totally. This is why I'm having all this sexy sex and how the sexy sex is so good. After a few hours, I'd half fallen asleep. I heard drunken girls stumbling through the door. I thought I'd put my jeans on, but then I was so tired and lazy and so didn't think anyone was going to walk in without knocking. What do they do? Live here? Pay rent? (laughs) I put my covers over me just in case and continued my state of being half asleep. Oh, ah, youth wasted on the young. That's a superpower I wouldn't mind keeping. Oh, I can't wait until I'm old enough that I actually gain that superpower. Motherfucker, I am too tired to wake up for that noise. (laughs) If it's the end, it's the end. I am not investigating. My level of fatigue (laughs) is going to be stationary to growing, no matter what it is. So just fucking let it go. After what felt like half an hour or so, I heard the bath start. Couldn't have been a very good night at the club. (laughs) Jackie has decided to take a shower. All of a sudden, 
My door swung open. Lucy ran in and jumped on my bed, hugged me, and asked how I was. I replied that I was trying to sleep. This wasn't the first time either Lucy or Jackie had done this drunk, but usually they'd get up after a while and go running to Jeff's room. With Jeff not there, Lucy decided to get under the covers. Well, <laughs> we've just totally switched perspective. We now know what's going on in Lucy's head, even though this is a guy telling a story from his first perspective. <laughs> He's got to justify how this shit found Lucy. Oh, that's amazing. Whilst knowing that nothing could happen, it was never going to stop my cock from getting hard. Lucy had felt it. I could not avoid it. She fell asleep. <laughs> she fell asleep as I did. <laughs> That's, I, you know what? I accept Lucy's a lesbian. I really do at this point. What's that? It's a penis. Well, that does not involve me in any way, shape, or form. Good night. <laughs> My dick at this point had been covered with crushed melatonin, which is probably why I was so fucking tired. Jackie got out of the shower and was looking for Lucky. That is, that is not, that's not me, that's, I didn't say that sentence wrong, so I'm just going to say it again. <laughs> Jackie got out of the shower, was looking for Lucky, and eventually came to my room to look. Just added, just let that K in there, I guess. Again, no knock. She just walks in. <laughs> she took one look and jumped in and got in on the other side. Now, I was nervous. They'd never both gone into my bed at the same time. And under the covers! Triple exclamation point. My cock was hard again. <laughs> uh, Jackie reached over with her leg to touch Lucy. And with her thigh, brushed my cock. She looked at me and smiled. Lucy noticed this and figured out what happened and said that she noticed that before too i kind of felt like a naughty school kid but that's what happens when two attractive girls get into a guy's bed <laughs> lucy told me she thought i looked scared and nervously laughed and said that it was her fault she smiled and said she didn't mind because it was me then something weird happened jackie winked at lucy and said, I'll go get them. Jackie got up and went to their room to get them. In the meantime, Lucy got on top of me and grabbed my hands and held them above my head. Then she just lay there, breathing heavily. I asked, what was going on? She kissed me twice on the neck, slowly, before laying her head back down again. Jackie walked in and walked around to the side she lay on before, but this time walked right to the side. At the same time, Lucy moved to her, her head over mine to block my view and slowly moved towards my lips and kissed me. I was turned on now, and she knew it. <laughs> I also sometimes get turned on after I've had a raging erection for five minutes. 
Sometimes the they'll just be like rock fucking hard for a couple of minutes, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> I know what I can do with this. As we were slow kissing, I felt Jackie grab my waist and put what felt like a handcuff on my hand. Before I could react, she quickly grabbed my other one and the cuff that two crossed. Lucy then started slithering up and down me seductively. <laughs> Slither is not the word I would use. And my cock was drooling at this point. What a sentence. One more time. Woo! There are two word choices in this one. Woo! Okay, one more time. There are two word choices in this sentence, let me tell you. Lucy then started slithering up and down me seductively, and my cock was drooling at this point. <sighs> this is why I've always been afraid of having sex with, with club lesbians. I didn't want the dick drool after, you know? You know, it's just it's not worth the dick drooling. <laughs> Listen, lady. The penis should only eject what I want it to eject, and only when I want it to. That's it. They both looked down and looking up and kissing. With my cock now jumping, they started taking off each other's clothes while pecking and kissing each other. It was amazing, yet murder knowing I couldn't do anything. They started playing with each other's breasts, and when they started fingering each other, I groaned out. Oh, bah! B-O-H. Sorry. They bah! B-O-H. They bah! Looked at each other, smiling, and then looked at me. Jackie moved over my face, so her pussy was directly over my face, but too far to reach. Lucy then climbed above me, just above my cock, and started to lick Jackie. I could see this right above me. If the, if the smell didn't turn me on, then the juices that dropped on my lips certainly did. One more time. This is all one sentence, and I'm going to read it again, because I think this is amazing. <laughs> fucking, fucking eat your heart out, Madame Bovary. Jackie moved over my face so that her pussy was directly over my face, but too far to reach. Lucy then climbed on me just above my cock and started to lick Jackie. I could see this right above me. If the smell didn't turn me on, the juices that dropped on my lips certainly did. <clears throat> and one more time, because this may be the greatest sentence that we've ever read. Circle of magical threat. Magical circle. Sexual circle of magical threat. Magical circle? Whatever it is. Here we go. One more time. <clears throat> Magical circle of sexual threat. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Jackie moved over my face so that her pussy was directly over my face, but too far to reach. Lucy then climbed on me, above my cock, and started to lick Jackie. I could see this right above me. If the smell didn't turn me on, that the juices that dripped on my lips certainly did, certainly did. This went on for a while, and I was now in agony. They swapped positions and made me endure more frustration whilst feeling like being in heaven. Jackie was licking Lucy and then all of a sudden Lucy's knees dropped and her pussy was over my mouth and she told me to ear. So I opened my mouth to taste. I felt Jackie move down onto my cock. It was so slow. Jackie had only slept with a couple of guys before before she was 
and she was very tight. <laughs> Moving on. I really wasn't going to last any length of time and knew that. And Lucy reached my orgasm on my mouth and grabbed me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never had a woman reach orgasm on my mouth. That'd be awesome. <laughs> just lie there first. Just fucking lie there for a second. There. I'm sorry. We got to get through it. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. Women are now starting to play with his penis this far into the story. That means we're definitely close. <laughs> As Lucy reached orgasm on my mouth, she grabbed Jackie and pushed her onto her back. Lucy still had her pussy above my face in 69 position, but was licking Jackie instead of me. She did this until Jackie couldn't take anymore and came. With Jackie's juices still in her mouth, Lucy slowly licked the tip of my cock up and down. And she... You didn't say up, so one more time because it's an even more fun sentence. With Jackie's juices still in her mouth, Lucy slowly licked the tip of my cock and down. She held it at the because now I'm imagining I'm imagining like the pillows are down, and now like she's licking both. She's licking the down feathers and then she's licking the penis. She's just and so fucking freaky. He's like, this is amazing. This is exactly what Showtime always promised. Showtime after midnight. You weren't lying to me at all. <sighs> she held it at the bottom with one hand and put her mouth right down at deep-throating me. She came back up and got off me. Jackie uncuffed me, and they both gathered their clothes and walked to the door. That was it? That was it? Jackie turned around and said she wouldn't go to sleep without saying goodnight properly, and they both came back towards me. I was relieved as I thought they were just going to leave me there. They both kissed me individually and went down towards my cock and got on either side of it. They both started kissing it slowly. Then they moved their tongues over the tip and around. They could feel I was close and that I was going to explode. Jackie looked up at me and said, Good night. <laughs> the name of the the name of the story is yummy question mark yummy with a question mark and it is by deliciously yummy on literotica so we, we, we a new a new master of a, a new master of erotic suspense has been born this day and we all got to witness it. Thank you all. Thank you all very much for coming out. I love the way that pussy looks and tastes very much. I like to look at the pussy. It is so good. Thank you again. It was a real pleasure. I had fun, 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 fun. Oops, sorry. Little runtime error there. LOL. Just a joke. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys very much for coming on out. I had a great time. We had a lot of poems. Very sweet. Got through some things. 
It feels so good to be back. I know you think so, too. Tell your friends, come on back when you can some other Friday night. I'll be here. If you enjoyed the podcast this week, tell me. It's hard coming back. I know you know. And I got some rust to shake off. Let me know and show me some appreciation because that is what it's all about. It's what I crave, and it's how I'm going to get through this next year. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel like I rocked tonight. Uh, I feel real good about the way everything landed. So, let's see what I can do without uh, without uh, without any of the other issues, and uh, I'll see you next Friday, huh? Thank you very much for everybody who uh, who sticks around. Music club going on in. Uh, feel free to go ahead and pipe some tunes in for the rest of us. I'll be joining you very, very soon. Once again, my name is Jack. From me, from Ali, from Aria, from Serena, thank you so much for coming on out to the server, saying hello, being a part of the show, sending in requests, and all the rest. I'll see you next Friday one more time. Mm, bye now.